Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante. He is Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, how did your Mother's Day weekend go? Uh, pretty good. I, I I didn't screw it up. So that's usually that's usually the number one uh, thing on, on my list. So if I if I don't do that, I'm usually okay. If that's the bar, I didn't screw up. That's that's nice if, to meet that hurdle at least. Listen, if you're really careful and if you're really diligent over time, you know I've been married for 13 years. Uh, over time, you're able to lower the bar without her even noticing. So the idea is to lower it just a little bit at a time and not try to lower it too much at once. So that's a little tip for you guys out there. It's kind of like the frog in the boiling water. You don't throw the frog in directly into boiling water. You just change the temperature gradually and they yeah. never notice. Is that what exactly. you Exactly. Yes, that's it. All right. <laughs> that, that's uh, Mother's Day tips for all of you for, for next year. How to be a real underachiever. Let's move on to our Penn State football talk. You can tell it's the off season, right? Because we go down the mother's day. (laughs) Right. But let's let's get back to it. There is enough to talk about with Penn State. Not so much with the news, but some of our off-season reviews. A couple weeks ago, or was it just a week ago, we uh, acknowledged that there were a lot going on at the offensive line room, a lot of commitments made. A lot of activity there, so we reviewed the offensive line. Now, let's do the same thing with the running back room because it's gotten really fascinating. And let's just start, Dustin, with a couple of good recruits in this current recruiting class, correct? Yeah, um, and, you know, I, I think you're looking at over the next two recruiting classes, you've got uh, you've got guys coming in and you've got, you know, the other thing that prompted this just for the same reason as the offensive line is that Trey Potts comes in from uh, Minnesota, who's a Williamsport native originally. So that kind of answered a question for 2023 and 2024. So it, it kind of the, the only thing left to answer, I think the only box left to check for this season coming up was, are they OK depth wise if there were to be an injury to one of the two big dogs, either Nick Singleton or Katron Allen? So I think that answers the question now. Then you look ahead with Quentin Martin and Corey Smith um, committed, who are who are very, very good prospects in their own right. And then you look ahead to 2025 and Keandre Baker. So that prompted all this is that, you know, the ball started rolling. And I do think in recruiting, just like with what happened, the offensive line spots start to fill up, you know, they, they disappear from certain position groups. So you see often uh, position groups w- with a run at, at those spots because you are either in or you might not get that spot anymore. So at running back, they're pretty much full up now. And it's a pretty exciting time um, that, th- that they're back. You know, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen kind of changed the, the, you know, short-term and long-term future for the position. Uh, got Jaywan Sider kind of back uh, in that good spot again, where everybody kind of hoped that or thought that he would be. So I think it really changed things a lot for Penn State, and you see that now with the way that they're recruiting position, these dominoes starting to fall in the future. It is, and part of it, though, to look forward, let's look back first. This is becoming an iconic position at Penn State. 
us old timers will go all the way back. We'll use names like Franco Harris and Lydell Mitchell. And going forward a little more, Kajana Carter, Larry Johnson Jr. We could go on and on and on yeah. with that history. But that's ancient history to these kids who are coming on as recruits. They go all the way back to Saquon Barkley. Yeah. And he he was followed by Miles Sanders, who would be much more iconic if he didn't play in the shadow of Saquon Barkley. But that's an NFL player on a very good had been on a very good NFL team with the Eagles. So you keep seeing that former Penn State running back uh, in, in the NFL. That makes an impression on these current players, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it does. You know, Miles Sanders for a bit was kind of getting almost to the point where he was on the same level name recognition wise as Saquon was while Saquon was kind of getting back from injury and all that. But their their reputations, both of them, you know, Miles Sanders was a was a, was a really good back for a really good team uh, in a really uh, passionate football city. So he he helped it you know, take Penn State's reputation further, just like Saquon did, especially early in his career and again last year. So those guys, they did set the tone out there that it's cool to be a Penn State running back again. And there there was a brief stretch there where I think, I really feel like injuries uh, put a put a damper on things. And, uh, and I, I think that um, while we're talking about Saquon and Miles Sanders, I think James Franklin really learned a lot from that stretch because, Miles Sanders did not get much run at all when Saquon was around. You know, he, he, I think James Franklin was unable to resist the temptation of making Saquon Barkley. And obviously so just such a huge focal point of the offense that I think he, he didn't mix and match Miles Sanders as much as uh, he, he would have. And I think that might be an influence on where they are now and the philosophy that's making this running back position, you know, kind of cool again after a couple years uh, of downtime, where, yeah, okay, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, they are a very, very good one-two punch, and they're both getting fed accordingly. Of course, Nick Singleton could carry the load all by himself, but I think the game has evolved, and I think Penn State has evolved to get multiple guys involved. And whenever you can prove that and show that, uh, it makes it fun for, for these guys to commit, and they're unafraid to commit and try to join the mix because they know if they earn it, they will get their opportunities. And the fact is, it's not like quarterback. You can play two running backs, and you could play them a lot, and they could both get a good number of carries without getting too many carries, which is a factor. And towards the point of those old-timers, Saquon and Miles Sanders, having an effect, uh, Keandre Baker, the recruit out of Texas for the 25 season, he actually pointed out Saquon Barkley as the guy he models his game after. That's the guy. So when you wonder how you get a running back out of Texas up to Penn State, well, you might thank Saquon Barkley. And and I think it's it's just such an interesting dynamic because I think you can have guys who are as productive as Saquon Barkley was, but don't generate interest. You know, you can you can churn out yards at that position. Or you can do dynamically and with flair and you can hurdle guys and you can be a multi-dimensional threat. Uh, you can do it in a way like make your name cool out there. Like Saquon Barkley, um, you know, for, for a brief time was really in the Heisman mix for about what half or two thirds of a season, maybe. 
and I think that made an impact. And I think guys who are who are um, coming along now watched him in college and and associated you know Penn State as, as having him on their roster and it being a cool place to play. And that's one of those things that you just uh, you know you need big time players. You know, you need big time players to win now. You need big time players to uh, make an impact on recruits. And I think that's why, you know, I think Micah Parsons is having a similar impact now. And I think he'll have a similar impact later. Like I, I just read on uh, Lions 247 yesterday, um, a kid that has Penn State number one on his list right now, who's a five-star edge, uh, whose favorite player is Micah Parsons. So when you are able to get guys who get national recognition, it has a way of paying dividends for a long time. And you have that now with Penn State. And the more you're able to do that in the league, and I think Mike Gesicki, for example, did that with a tight end position for for a bit. I think, you know, even with like a Chris Godwin did that with a wide receiver position. When you're able to produce guys like this, uh, freak show type players, it it makes the university, it makes the program cool to, to younger players. And we will get into that a little bit more later in the show about how some of these iconic players, and I'll use iconic at least in talking about Saquon Barkley, it does have an influence on young people. Now, let's move a little closer to the present day, uh, Dustin. But before we get here, it's worth mentioning Journey Brown might have been that next guy in line. Yeah. except for his um, medical issues where he had to medically retired, or we might have had a greater continuation. And I just wanted to make sure we did mention that and not forget Journey Brown and what he could have been. I think his uh, heart condition, unfortunate for him, good for him. He's uh, getting on a NASCAR pit crew, which is awesome. Um, but I, th- I think his heart condition really was such a sudden step backwards that you couldn't have planned for it. Uh, you couldn't have recruited around it. And before you knew it, when you had Noah Kane who got hurt uh, week one in that season, you know, that was a pretty big blow to where Penn state was going at the running back spot and journey Brown in the cotton bowl, like Michael Parsons delivered a breakout performance for himself. But I think journey Brown was just as significant in that game. He ran hard, aggressively, explosively, physical, fast. I mean, he looked like the total package in that game. And I, I, it, to the point where, you know, I was really thinking he was absolutely next in line. And I was like, I was loving the storyline of having Saquon and Miles Sanders, but then journey Brown being such an investment and a development project from in state who got that same job done. But, I, I think that was the only thing that really derailed Penn State at this position was just a little bit of bad luck. The COVID year, uh, I think it impacted recruiting for a year, but now they are fully back on track and it didn't take a whole lot, whole lot of time to do it. And there was like there was that blip there where you lost Journey Brown, Noah Kane injury, Kevon Lee, Devin Ford. Things didn't happen for that group. Now we move up last season, Nick Singleton. Katron Allen, the world was just turned upside down again, flip or flip back the right way right. when those two guys hit campus. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, you know, changed the fortunes of the offense, changed the philosophy of the play calling. I think when you have a one, two punch like that, guys who have differing skill sets who are very complimentary of each other, gives you margin for error for your quarterback, which I think is really, really important going into the Drew Aller area era coming up. 
it, it just changed a lot of things. And, and, you know, not the least of which was reestablishing the running back position as a, as a foundational piece of Penn state. And I think it's pretty neat. You know, you go, went back down memory lane a little while ago, Penn state getting back to a really strong place at both running back and linebacker. It feeds right into the tradition of the program and what it was built on and what, how they became so successful under Joe Paterno is now you have some of those very same pieces in place for 2023 and beyond. And that just humors us old guys who yeah. remember those days when it was linebacker you and it was running back you and you never even worried about those positions, Dustin, because it just got restocked every year, just more talent and more talent. And if anything, in today's day and age, it's even more so, I think, a factor because players from throughout the country are so aware of it. Anyway, we're going to come back in quarter number two, and we're going to get back to the present and the future at running back. Stick with us. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. He's Dustin. I'm Jim. Dustin, we've begun our show talking about the running back room. We have laid the foundation now to start looking at the 23 season. We know we have returning players, stars, Nick Singleton, Catron Allen. That, of course, wasn't enough. They were very fortunate last season. Neither player even really got nicked up, so they were fine. You can't count that at running back. What did they do now to bring in some support players? Yeah, I I had major questions because – if one of those guys gets hurt, um, they, it was a, a Tank Smith or it was a Cameron Wallace type situation, assuming London Montgomery, the other um, true freshman, was going to not be available. And so 
you know, you didn't, you just didn't have a whole lot of insurance and they, they flew without a parachute kind of, you know, after Devin Ford decided to step away last year, uh, you didn't have much depth there beyond them and they were able to get away with it. I think fundamentally when you have two guys and you're distributing the, the carries in a way where not one of them is getting overexposed, it helps them and it helps their, their ability to stay healthy. But you really, like you said, you can't count on that. Football is, is such a violent and violent game that has fluky injuries all the time. And so when Trey Potts comes in and makes himself available from uh, Minnesota, he's from Williamsport originally, he was just on the outside looking in at Minnesota, but he had had, had some moments there and looked like he was more than capable of contributing uh, at a high level. And I think he, you know, on a depth chart, he doesn't change his situation all that much being the likely number three guy at Penn State. But he's doing it uh, for a team that will probably go run heavy, that uh, will probably win more games in Minnesota and has a chance to be in that Big Ten title and national title conversation if you are a believer in Drew Aller, which a lot of people are. So I think Trey Potts gets a little upgrade in his situation. Uh, I think they're going to make some reasons to use him if at the very least just to take the load off Singleton and Allen. And if you're in a situation where you're up five touchdowns or something in a non-conference game, then you have incentive to just get away from using your two thoroughbreds, uh, Singleton and Allen, and maybe Trey Potts runs a show there and you get some Cameron Wallace, you get some Tank Smith. Uh, now you, you have a core of reserves that looks a lot more formidable. You have a legitimate number three running back now. And yeah, you might not ever need it, but, you know, chances are over the next one, two, maybe three years with these guys, you are going to need a number three who's capable and they get one on their doorstep. Really just a perfect circumstance with Trey Potts. And it's not to say that Cameron Wallace or London Montgomery, the two true freshmen, might not be able to fill that role. But a couple things against them were neither one of them came in during the spring, graduated high school early and got here. And the other part, of course, London Montgomery had the serious injury in high school. So would he be ready medically? And maybe he is, maybe he isn't, but don't you feel safe for being able to give him this redshirt year? So it gives you that opportunity also with both those freshmen. And of course, with the new rules, they could still get in and play up to four games. What's nice is this all of a sudden, uh, Dustin, puts them in a situation where we could already look ahead to 24 and see what that room looks like. And the first thing that's great is Catron Allen and Nick Singleton will still be here with their third year. Yeah, they they will be true juniors unless something goes crazy uh, this this season. So they'll they'll be in what could be their final year. And we had this brief discussion between uh, segments of like, all right, either one of them will either one of them or both of them be back for a year a year four. Now a lot can happen over the next two years, and the running back position doesn't exactly beg to to leave early the way that the NFL values them. So it'll be interesting to see. But in all likelihood, if they go on this trajectory after year three, there's really not going to be a lot more to prove for these guys. Now whether that you know does anything for their draft stock, I don't think they were gonna they'd be able to improve it. Uh, as seniors. But again, this, you know, that assumption that they'll both be gone after year three kind of assumes that 
they're going to stay on the same trajectory that they're on and that no, no injuries or anything will, will happen. But yeah, in, in 2024, those guys will be back as juniors, assuming they'll be better than, than ever. Assuming they'll keep getting better, which they will, which is scary because they were both very, very good last year. Trey Potts should be around. He'll have, he'll have that year of eligibility. And then you'll have both Montgomery and Wallace. And I think the beauty of what they've got going on and what they always want to have at every position, including running back, is that the moment you step on campus, the moment you, you sign – there's pressure on you to compete and get better all the time because you have to keep climbing to get to that next rung. None of these guys will automatically just trip and fall face first into a starting job or the number two job. You're going to have to scratch and claw for everything you get. And that's going to be true for London Montgomery and Cameron Wallace because they'll be in year two and Quentin Martin and Corey Smith will be due to arrive and two more talented guys. And if you're not minding your P's and Q's, you could lose ground to those freshmen pretty easily. So the the competitive atmosphere will be pretty unbelievable. Um, and I think there, even if there's three spots to be had, you can look ahead to 2024 and you can already see six or seven names who, who might make a case to be deserving for one of those three spots. That, that's exactly it. If you look at the recruits coming in, there's two running backs coming in for 24, Montgomery and Wallace, who you mentioned, and then Quentin Martin and Corey Smith who are both very high-level players. Quinn Martin is a top 100-rated player and even higher than that out of Pennsylvania. Corey Smith, highly regarded out of Wisconsin. And you add those again with Montgomery and Wallace and their depth on the 24 roster so that we could now even project to 25, Dustin, and say, boy, that running back room still looks pretty good. And I'm making the assumption, even if you won't, that both Singleton and Allen will be long gone. They have no reason to come back for a fourth year. They, they will have nothing to prove at that point. We can look ahead to 2025 and we will look ahead to 2025 is what you're saying. <laughs> now, both those guys would be true seniors if all, you know, were, were to go to plan. Uh, you know, the odds of them both coming back are very slim. The odds of one coming back, I still think are probably, you know, not on the probable side of things. So let's just assume that they are both gone and you're looking at, you know, the most veteran members of the team, London Montgomery and Cameron Wallace would be redshirt sophomores at that point. Um, I, in my projection, I have Quentin Martin as having, as playing in year one. Like, I think he's one of those guys, you know, you talk about the the conversation with Tony Rojas right now at linebackers. Like, yeah, there's not a positional need for Tony Rojas to play. But you know what? He's too good to keep off the field. And Penn State has shown that they'll they'll find a way to get these guys on the field if you deserve it. I think Quentin Martin will be one of those guys. Uh, he's listed as an athlete, so you could see him be a more versatile type player who lines up in multiple places, uh, gets a variety of touches. Uh, Corey Smith will be there. Keandre Baker will be coming in from Texas at that point. So if you have a crew that's London Montgomery, Cameron Wallace, Quentin Martin, Corey Smith, Keandre Baker, you'll go a little bit young. You'll go maybe a little unproven at that point because you assume that Nick Singleton and Katron Allen will, will have a lion's share of carries in 2024. But that's a pretty good crew of guys if you don't have Singleton or Allen back. And I think that's exactly what they're trying to create. And that's not even getting into if they get a transfer, if they sign somebody else, else in one of the two the, uh, the two next classes so the the building blocks are very much in place to carry this group and and again the same group would be due to be back in 2026 as well all of them would have eligibility for 2027 
So if you if you think the group is in good shape in 2025, they should remain in good shape for a couple more years after that, too. Now, we know <laughs> there's this thing called the transfer portal, and we saw how quickly things can happen. We saw it happen to this team where all of a sudden last year, not only did you have, but you needed two true freshmen to carry the load. Now, part of it is they forced the issue and players, you know, Devin Ford was third at best. You know, Noah Kane saw the writing on the wall. He moved on. A lot of players moved on, and that was part of it. And I'm sure there will be some of that going on. But the difference here is if you're James Franklin, you've got to look at it like it's now a position of strength in that when you're getting two guys per class at running back, you could afford that attrition and still be in good shape. It looks to me, and that's a good point. It looks to me like not only they can afford it, but they're almost banking on it. Um, and you think about like the, the group that's coming, the, the Quentin Martin, Corey Smith duo that's coming into 2024, you know, when it comes to rankings and stuff like that looks on paper, very much like the Nick Singleton and Katron Allen duo that came in last year. And so if they were, let's, let's just say they were to make a similar splash in year one, and that could very well put London Montgomery and or Cameron Wallace in a position where, okay, I'm not going to get above number four on the depth chart. I got to find a place before time starts ticking too far down. This is year two, year three. You could see one of the, one of those two type types of guys go. So you never know what's going to happen, but it, it is kind of, I, I do watch guys like that because of the, the talent that's coming in after them. If something happens where London Montgomery is slow to heal or whatever, I mean, a lot can happen, uh, but I wouldn't expect all these players to be back um, for, for 2025, 2026. You're going to see, you know, some, some changes and some shifts in the depth chart that put guys in, in a Devin Ford position or a Kaziah Holmes position or a Kevon Lee position where you're just not getting what you want out of the situation and you don't see much of a choice but to move on. But what I do like, Dustin, is um, Mike Yursich. He showed us this past season he had many talented tight ends. So we found ways to get three tight ends on the field at the same time, along with two running backs. I don't think it's far-fetched to find that you can get carries for three running backs and use multiple running backs on the field at the same time. Last year was, I, I feel like if you're a Penn State fan, you're watching what the team's doing. You're watching what Mike Yersich is doing. What he did was just make the most out of what he had. You know, and I think that's just great coaching in general is that you're not trying to jam a bunch of square pegs into round holes. You're saying, okay, I've got great depth at tight end. Let's let's use that because that can create mismatches in a whole variety of ways. You could see the same thing happen with, with running backs where it's like, okay, I've got four guys who I think are big time players. We got to find a way to make sure that they all get involved and find a way to get them on the field in some way, some fashion. So last year, as much as anything philosophically showed that Penn State was willing to bend its philosophy around the talent that it had. And it's going to have a whole bunch of talent at running back for a bunch of years now. And I'm really fascinated by Quentin Martin, who spent a lot of time at wide receiver at high school. It shows that he has those skills. The fact that he's still listed as an athlete. I just feel like Mike Yursich can find a way to be creative to get him on the field. No and doubt. even as a true freshman, if he's that talented. All right, Dustin, that's it for quarter number two. We still have a real fun topic that we're going to hit in quarter number three.
We call that a tease, Dusty. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Dusty. I'm Jim. As I teased in the quarters two ending segment, we have an interesting topic, and this is something we we hit on between segments last week, Dusty, and it's the idea, is there any chance of a, I don't know if it's a, call it a changing of the guard, but there are teams that are up there, they're the elite teams. Are there any teams who are ready to make that breakthrough and get to that elite status? We as Penn State fans know we've been talking about that for years. But before we get started about teams who could knock down that door, become an elite, let's set the foundation, Dusty. Who are those elite teams? Who are the teams that everybody else is trying to match up with? Go ahead. Give me your list, and then I'll correct you. Okay, perfect. Well, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State are the ones that have that uh, longevity, so to speak, that, that have recruited at a high level and played at a high level at the same time. Uh, you've had Clemson in that category for for a stretch where I don't know if they're in that category currently. And it begs the question of like uh, how temporary and how permanent is that? You know, things change in a hurry. And I think, you know, Alabama even has to kind of reprove themselves as crazy as that sounds. You know, now they're, 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 there's a legitimate conversation to have about who's the best team and best program in the SEC because Georgia's won back-to-back titles. And so Alabama has to get back um, to, to that place. So uh, I have those three and, you know, Michigan is, is maybe there, but they haven't had experienced a lot of success in the college football playoff where the last two years they've, I mean, I think they've been pretty clearly better than Ohio state the past two years, but you know, for, for the sake of this conversation is like how much more room do they have to grow 
Ohio State has a lot more room to, to reach its ceiling because it hasn't the past two years. I just don't know what Michigan's ceiling is. Um, so I, I really have that elite group as a group of three right now. Uh, because Clemson, you know, they lost three times last year and I'm not sure, you know, that they've got a, a really talented young quarterback and, you know, Dabo Sweeney's has some turnover on his coaching staff for the first time in a while. So they've got some questions to answer, uh, but it's hard to get in this conversation, uh, the elite conversation. It's even harder, I think, to stay in that conversation. Okay, Dusty, you just give your feel, your sense of it. Me, I'm more fact-based, okay? Do it. So I, I did some research. And what I thought was the college football playoffs have been in existence now for nine years. So I feel like that's now a good sample size to use to establish yourself. And with the college football playoffs, there's four teams that make the playoffs every year over nine years. Correct me if I'm wrong. My math tells me that's 36 slots. Over this nine years. You're doing great so far, buddy. Five teams have accounted for 25 of the 36 slots. So I'm going to put those five teams out there as possibilities for that elite. Some are the obvious. Alabama has been there seven out of the nine years. Certainly they belong. You mentioned Clemson. They've been there six years out of the nine. Again, they're coming off a three-loss year, but I think having been there six years, they may be at the end of that elite status. Ohio State, five times. Georgia, three. And if you have back-to-back national championships as you did, that counts for something. I'll count them in. One more team has been well-represented in the playoffs, and that's Oklahoma with four appearances, okay? So to me, those are the five, but I think you did hit it correctly when you say you got to point at Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia as the big three among them, and Clemson and Oklahoma, because of last year, Oklahoma lost Lincoln Riley, Clemson losing their longtime coordinators, and for the first time in this span, they don't have that definitive star quarterback like they did with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. So they've got to be considered a little bit shaky. One last thing that um, I did a little more research on, which was now starting in 2019 that and going through 2023, that's five recruiting classes. I looked at the top five over the last five years. 2019, not many of those players are still around, but there's still some from that class. So I did five years. There are three teams that have had either four or five appearances in the top five in recruiting over the last five years. Care to guess who they are? Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. There you go. Those Um, are the three. Yeah. Those are the three. Alabama and Georgia were in the top five all five years. Ohio State was in it for four years. The one year they weren't, they had a numbers crunch, only brought in 17 players. But if you just look at their average rating, they would have been in the top five. Right, yeah. So using history and projecting because of recruiting, they're probably going to stay in the elite group. So that's the foundation we've laid, Dusty. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting about how you 
You know, what do you do as a pro? And this is the essence of the conversation is like, what programs are close to being able to chip away at that foundation and, and do some similar things and get to the same level of recruiting uh, as we're talking, you know, I think, you know, to narrow it down even further, I mean, I think you associate spots in this elite conversation with having elite quarterbacks a lot of the time, right? I think that was the Clemson path, but I think what Georgia and Alabama have both done is that they've been able to do it with a, a wide variety of quarterbacks. Some were not in the elite category so that to really be the elite of the elite, uh, not to say it doesn't matter who your quarterback is or how they play, but you're so good in every other area, particularly in the trenches that you can be an annual college football playoff contender in the absence of elite quarterback play. Now that right there is, is elite. It, it definitely is. And Ohio State just happens to be elite everywhere, but also at quarterback consistently right. every year. So, okay, now let's look forward, Dusty. The foundation has been laid. Who are the teams that have that opportunity to move up? And what did they do to give them the, themselves that opportunity? Yeah, I think... Um... You know, uh, re- recruited a pretty high level. You know, I, I I think Penn State is really indicative of of being on the outside, but being within earshot, right? Like I think uh, Penn State had that elite year in 2016. They didn't make the college football playoff that year, but they had a lot of momentum on their side. And you saw them, it played out a bit in 2017. They weren't able to keep going with that momentum in a way that they were able to build from a, also ran to a college football playoff team. They weren't able to get there when they had that momentum. Now they've got some momentum again, but they're, they're teams that recruited a high level that from one to 85 are really, really strong with, with talent that maybe they, if, if they get a breakout year quarterback they're they're in that conversation. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just so difficult to, to get there. And, you know, you even see, like Clemson has that disruption at quarterback where DJ Uagalele, I think that's how you say his name, just wasn't what they hoped he would be. And Dabo Sweeney didn't manage that position all, as well as he probably should have. And now that disrupted and causes some questions. And uh, Oklahoma, you know, Lincoln Riley leaves. And and you are now, now you can't take it to the bank that you've got, you're going to get an elite quarterback. You're going to have an elite offense. So things can change really quickly. Uh, but we've got, you know, I've got six teams. I think you've got five or six teams that we think could be in that position where with a strong year and a strong year recruiting uh, or maybe a quarterback that, that they can take that next step. And then it's like, it's like what Penn State had. Then now you're gifted the opportunity to recruit better and to open more guys' eyes and, and to, to be a more national recruiting force. Can you take advantage of that is always going to be the question. I think another part to the formula is – and we saw this really, really for the first time last year, which is an elite coach changing jobs. And the two big names we saw, Lincoln Riley to USC, Brian Kelly to LSU. And I think we both have that both those teams on our list as teams knocking on the door. Yeah, and I think um, for similar reasons, I guess. I mean, Lincoln Riley... It did not take long. It took about five minutes, it felt like, for USC to establish themselves as the most explosive team in the Pac-12. The, Lincoln Riley goes to a place where you know he's going to be surrounded by five-star talent in Southern California. Uh, he's always going to have a quarterback. He's always going to have an offense. 
Now you take Brian Kelly, who inherited, you know, not the best LSU roster and kind of did some good things with it last year. But uh, LSU has power and pull in a really rich talent region. And now Brian Kelly is a proven coach who's down there. Once they start recruiting at the level that he wants to recruit at, how good can they be, especially when they get a quarterback, which has never really been a fixture at LSU. So that that things change quickly. And I think both of those guys met or exceeded expectations in year one when things were imperfect. They inherited a roster that they did not build. They were able to kind of get talent in there, especially Lincoln Riley, but there were still some holes that, that needed to be filled where now that they, they can take a more thoughtful approach, they can do that in the future. So they're dangerous teams. And I think uh, for both of us, USC and LSU are, are on this next uh, list of contenders. They both are. And I want to point out LSU on the recruiting front. And this is interesting because they, they changed coaches, but in 20 and 21, they were in top five in recruiting. And last year or going into the 23 season, they were six, so they were on the doorstep. So three of the last four years, they were right there with recruiting. The big-name coach, I think the next question is getting that elite quarterback. USC did do that. It was through the transfer portal, but they brought in a Heisman Trophy winner. If you're Alabama, if you're Georgia, you don't have to be as perfect with that quarterback. If you're somebody else, I think you do, correct? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. I think especially with Lincoln Riley. You know, the fun thing to, to watch with USC and Lincoln Riley is his evolution as, as a coach. Because at, at Oklahoma and at USC last year, it was a lack of defense that ultimately did them in. And really a, a lack of enthusiasm, I think, from the top down about playing defensive football and all the principles that that takes. I mean, that that's a tone-setting thing every single day to be tough and physical and, and all that, where I think Lincoln Riley makes it pretty clear where he's going to make his hay. And uh, you haven't seen his defenses be strong enough, and I think that'll be something fun to watch with USC, especially as they get into the Big Ten and are facing more of these Illinois and Wisconsin's that are going to try to play the total opposite brand of football very good dusty that's going to be it for quarter number three but we're going to pick up in quarter number four a couple other teams and who knows maybe penn state will be one of those teams we mentioned you got to stay tuned that's got a tease hey guys this is andrew from 409 tailgate club here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, 
local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. Dusty, in quarter number three, we were talking about this concept that we've been talking about for years at Penn State. How do you get from this level to that elite level? And I think we came up with a few principles to this. I think the big name coaches making a move, they could raise the team. I think that's part of it. And I think we've established Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. They don't need elite quarterbacking because they're elite everywhere else. They have some margin for error. And probably Ohio State, more than anybody. I mean, they have five-star quarterbacks transferring out. (laughs) You know, they have people like Joe Burrow transferring out, Quinn Ewers transferring out, and not going down a level, but going, you know, a, a... move that's a parallel move so now I think the difference for this next level that we're talking about moving up into that elite they probably need that really good quarterback they just probably don't have the margin of error so let's start talking Penn State because I'm anxious to get there as Penn State fans we're all excited because this team and I'll, I'll start I think what they did last year, and not many people look at it this way, they had the lead against Ohio State in the fourth quarter. If they had held on, would they be that one-loss team that made it to the playoffs like Ohio State did? Their resume would pretty much have been the same. That's how close they were. And now, is Drew Aller going to be that elite quarterback for them that will take them over the top? The difference is at Ohio State, they have maybe two or three quarterbacks to choose from. Penn State, they have one. If they hit on that one, they're in great shape, though. Yeah, I think um, Ohio State is just such an absurd example of having synergy between a system where I don't want to say it's hard to fail, but a pr- just such a strong system and a sense of what what's needed to run the system and always having a full menu of players who are capable of doing it. So, you know, yeah, you, you're going to have some turnover and they're going to have a new new starter quarterback uh, in 2023. But their their track record record suggests that uh, a talented guy can come in there and be successful because their system allows for it. Um, so I think that's one thing that's unique about Ohio State is that the system is is bigger than the individual quarterbacks in it. So I always expect whoever the quarterback is to be successful because they're both talented and they're in that system. You know, can Penn State get to that place? So that'll be obviously the big question. You know, I think the 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 great thing for 2023 is that there is an avenue where Drew Aller doesn't have to be that guy yet. You know, I think they're it, it, they're gonna they're he's gonna be in that position. Uh, I think that, you know, between the defense and the running game and uh, the pass rush and the cornerbacks, I mean, they, they have some very established strengths where there are young dynamic players in a bunch of places to the point where I feel like they have more dynamic players than they ever have 
under James Rack. I'm not saying that the best Penn State player is better than Micah Parsons or anything like that. I just think they have they have impact players in greater numbers now in more positions now than they have before. And I think that's part of why Penn state is on the cusp back on the cusp again is because they've got elite pass rushers and they've got elite corners and they've, they've had elite safeties for a number of years. And I think they can get back there again. They've got the two running backs. They've got strengths where they can win games without having drew Aller put the entire team on his back. And I think, you know, especially early on, that's going to be the formula is you're not going to ask, Drew Aller to put the team on on his back. I think he's going to be capable of doing that, but I don't think he's going to be asked to bite off more than he can chew right off the bat. I think uh, he got a lot of reps last year. He established himself as, as a real student of the game. They have a deep belief in him, but there is a difference between having all that and getting it done on the field. I think Penn State's defense can run win games, and I think their running game can, can win games. So I think that's part of the good news for Penn State. Uh, but I, but I do think, um, other than maybe you know some some potential growing pains along the way, uh, I I'm a very big Drew Aller fan, and I think uh, physically, mentally, I feel like he's got the tools and he's got the charisma and he's got the poise. He's got a lot of the stuff that you need beyond the tangibles to be that level of successful. Uh, but I think more than that. It's their ability to build out the offensive line, which they've done at a, a much better level now than they have at any point before under James Franklin, including all the recruiting. All the stuff we talked about last week factors into that. They've got three, I think, elite pass rushers. Uh, they've got another elite cornerback in Kalen King that can can kind of shut down one half of the field. They've got dynamic linebackers and a sophomore in Abdul Carter, who's one of the best in America. I mean, you've got a lot of paths to victory because you've got a lot of really good players who are young uh, on this team in key positions, including left tackle, pass rush, cornerback. Um, you know, all, all those spots. So Penn State has a roster that's capable of taking a, another huge step forward for sure without needing Drew Aller to be a Heisman Trophy winner in year one. A very good point. And again, I took a look at some of the numbers, Dusty. I call a top 100 player coming out of high school an elite player. They've now got those kind of people in a lot of places. Nick Singleton, Drew Aller, Deny Dennis Sutton, Theo Johnson, Chop Robinson, Landon Tengwall, this incoming class, Jay Van Williams, Alex Birchmeyer, Tony Rojas, and King Mack. They are all they all have the pedigree. They came out as top 100 players and are dynamic players. Throw in also, they can identify talent. Abdul Carter was listed at number 28 at his position coming out of high school. Overall, the 287th best player coming out of high school. That is crazy. That's insane, Dusty. And Kalen King is comparable. So is um, Olu Fashionu. He was the 400th-ranked player coming out in his high school class. He's going to be a top-10 draft pick next week. So this coaching staff has shown they could identify talent. They could also bring in the top guys. Maybe it's not the in the volume that Alabama, Ohio State, and Georgia has. But if they're going to hit on, again, using the quarterback as the example, you don't need three great quarterbacks. You need one, okay? So they just got to hit on it. So I, I think we're both in agreement that Penn State, they are on the cusp. They've got a window here, and it's not just this season. It's over the next several. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think, um, you know, two quarterbacks you can throw into that early recognition thing are Justin Fields, 
who ultimately decommitted. But Penn State was was in on him and saw that before the recruiting services did, before other teams did. And then Drew Aller was the same way coming out of Ohio. He was not the pedigree player that he ultimately ended up being after the that cycle uh, when Penn State recruited and, and signed him. So I think their recognition of talent is pretty well established at most of these spots. In addition to all those top hundred players that, that you rattled off there. I mean, this, it's, I don't know if, if like even this, the 2016 team had a, had a D as much depth of, of high level players as this team does. I don't, I don't think they did. And if you want, you could throw in Will Levis as someone that they identified pretty early, yeah. say yeah. what you will, but he went early in the second round. That's a guy with, with some talent. Okay, we're in agreement on Penn State. Let's go back to our list across the country. Who else are you looking at, Dustin, as to making that next step, or potential at least? Yeah, I think um, with the way the 2022 went, I think Tennessee has to be in this conversation. You know, Josh Heupel had the volunteers uh, up to number one in the playoff rankings, Hendon Hooker looked great before he suffered a season-ending injury. They had just a a couple letdowns, but uh, I don't think it's a letdown when you go on the road and lose to Georgia. But it's a letdown when you give up 63 points and you go on the road and lose to South Carolina. Like, that's the type of thing that they need to be able to avoid. And how do you avoid that? I mean, I think, uh, you know, embracing the big-time mentality that it requires to be a team at that level, at the number one level, I think that was a lot. For, for Tennessee to be have that number one ranking didn't do them many favors, but the SEC schedule is always going to present those opportunities to stumble and fall on the road. So they've got to kind of get past that. Um, but I think without a doubt, Josh Heupel has, has a, a pretty proven offense um, and a lot of talent on board there coming off a big season where they showed, you know, by beating Alabama, by by winning a bunch of, uh, of high-level games, you know, they're capable of taking that next step for sure. They've got questions to answer when it comes to the quarterback spot and, you know, being consistent across their entire 12 game schedule. But, you know, they're not far off, I don't think. How about Texas? I, I, you know, I, and I know it's like almost a running joke. Texas is back. We hear it every year. And Urban Meyer, I think, said they're the most talented team in the country. Is I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to believe it until I see it at this point. You know, it's like James Franklin with the offensive line. You know, I'm not I'm not going to say positive things about this group because we've been down this road before. You know, Texas has to shake that underachieving, underwhelming persona that they've had. And I'm not going to believe that one until I see it. Yeah, of course. I mean, they, they recruited a high level because Texas is such a big brand in a huge football state with a lot of talent there. Even when they're down, they get big time players there. But do they have the right guy to, to lead them there? And it's hard to lead them there because there are unique pressures at Texas. But I think Steve Sarkeesian, you know, when I saw him yelling at a staffer in the, in the tunnel before the bowl game, I just felt like that just turned me off to, to them. I, I need to see, like, obviously there's a lot of reason to believe that they can, but there's been a lot of crying wolf about this team, and I'm not willing to do that again. And I throw Texas A&M in the same yeah. bucket with them. Those are two yeah. teams. They've shown they could accumulate talent, but that's all they've shown. They haven't yeah, shown they Yeah, you, you still got to do something with it. Who else do you have, Dusty? Uh, well, USC, obviously, they, you know, Lincoln Riley's got such an established um, program, an established way of, of going about things. I, I hope he takes to heart uh, that, that they need to play a little bit of defense, even in the Pac-12. 
Uh, but anytime you're able to have a five-star caliber quarterback and you're able to put him in an offense where he can do things uh, like that, you're always going to – it's just going to keep turning over. There's going to be another five-star all the time, just like with Jalen Hurts and Baker Mayfield, Caleb Williams at Oklahoma, and then at USC. They're always going to have a big-time quarterback, and they're going to be in a spot in Southern California where running backs, wide receivers are going to want to play there. Uh, I've got LSU for the reason we talked about before. Florida State, i got a good feeling about them. They're in the best position among f- big-time Florida programs to – to take that big leap and start securing all that talent in Florida. And then I'm curious about where Notre Dame can go from here. Marcus Freeman, uh, good recruiter. They have got the number four class in 2024. They closed 2022 in a pretty strong way. Gave me some confidence that he can coach a little bit. So I'll be curious to see where they go. I'm not as confident about Notre Dame. I think Brian Kelly left there for a reason that he just felt he had a better chance at LSU. And I do agree with you at Florida State. And I think playing in the ACC, they've got the easier path to follow, just like Clemson did. All right, Dusty, that is it for the show. It went very fast today. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.